everyone. My name is Catherine Wolf, and this is the Grove Podcast. I am so grateful that we get to share this moment. I'm here with my dear friend, Shelly Giglio, and we are delighted to get to have a conversation and let you guys in on it. The Lord has been doing some crazy cool stuff in me in the last 10 years since I had a stroke, and my dear friend Shelly's been cheering me on in that and we're here to chat but really we're here to hopefully encourage you in your journey no doubt you've heard of the grove and it's probably impacted your life in some way if you haven't been yet i would come make a trip if not just keep listening to this incredible podcast and our prayer for you as you engage this is that you will be fueled in your journey with Jesus, that you will know to the core of your deepest being that God is with you and God is for you and he is not ever leaving or abandoning you. I pray that you will run with endurance the race marked out before you and all of us at the Grove want to do that. We want to encourage you to press in on the story God is writing in your life. So anyway, let's jump into our conversation. So welcome to the Grove Podcast. I am Shelly Giglio, um, a good friend of yours by now. Surely we have become friends. And I am here with another good friend of mine who is um, one of the greatest people I've ever been around. And you would agree if you've ever had the chance to meet her. But my friend Catherine Wolf is here. And I am cheering on the inside, Catherine, because I love you so dearly. Oh, I love you. I am so grateful for the way that God has intersected our lives. Oh, me too. My goodness. Some days it totally amazes me what God has done. And I'll tell a quick story on Catherine. I had a chance to meet Catherine at the IF gathering several years ago. That's right. And uh, the very first time I I knew about her, I knew friends that knew her. Um, Carrie Stanfield, who's a very close friend of mine, actually went to college with you and yes. said, heard many stories of you from younger year. Um, but when we were at the IF gathering together, I was leaving IF. I had to leave early. I was coming back for church, which, as most people know, is a priority in our life for us to be here on a Sunday. And mm-hmm. I was leaving early to do that. And who did I run into on the sidewalk but you and Jay? And I had one of the most significant short-term conversations. I mean, it didn't last probably five minutes with Jay Wolf. And he was holding the baby. He was holding the baby. And your your family has meant more to me since that time than probably anybody I've met in a season like that. It was the quickest unity moment of just understanding that we love each other and that we're in each other's court. Um, And it was really special. And I've gotten to be around you, obviously, a ton since then, many environments and different kind of opportunities. But None more special than that moment and that meeting on the sidewalk. <laughs> and you know what's funny is we lived in Los Angeles, California until last year, but I still managed to see you regularly. Which I you? love. You kept showing up in our life, which we loved every second <laughs> I of. Hope you didn't get yeah, sick of God me. is just so gracious in that he sends the right people in the right moments to our lives. Oh, and so true. We could talk for hours about friendship and how you develop it and how you become truly who you are with people that you love. Um, 
and it's such a gift. But I want us to talk about a lot of things today. So yes. let's start today by just talking a little bit. You just mentioned about the fact that you lived in L.A. Yes. Um, you have a family with two boys, but you just moved to Atlanta. So right. Now, now you are literally my neighbor, Woo-hoo! which I love so much. Oh, my gosh, me but too. But talk about it. We all know, and many of us have moved in life and understand the hardship of that. Talk about just what that meant for you guys to travail your life completely across the entire country with two boys in tow, um, different ages, different effects in their life, different changes for them. Just talk about that process for a minute. Yeah, well, it was, it was super complicated on many levels. Um one, because I am severely disabled. So I did not pack a thing. Jay Wolf, my sweet husband, and his sisters who came in town packed our entire lives up, and I had to watch. So it was very bittersweet on many levels. The physicality made it complicated, honestly. Um, but I, I watched them pack up our lives for the last 14 years, and we'd become adults in California. We moved there when we were 22, and then I had a massive stroke at 26 and became severely disabled after that. So our journey in California was like, uh, I don't even have words for it exactly, but this crazy ride. And then We felt the Lord calling us to Atlanta for a while. A huge part of that was to be a part of this church that we now go to. It's so incredible. We just love it so much. And I think knowing that we were really called by the Lord here made it easier to leave, but it was very sad and hard, too. It was— it was weird because and we were super duper duper celebrated and gosh, I'm so grateful. I mean, by the you time had some of the best friends in California. Yeah. They're beautiful people. Truly, by the time we actually left in the moving van, we were ready to go. I'm sure. Like I'd gained 10 pounds from all the parties, I'm all sure. the friends, all the fun, all the neighbors. It was a lot. But it was like we had something so awesome to look forward to. Yeah. And then real life hit. And then we lived in an Airbnb for a month that was out of a movie. And it was terrible. Hard to believe, oh yes. my gosh. And we had to sleep on the floor because the bed broke, the air conditioning broke in August in Georgia. I mean, it was like hit hit you smacked you upside the head yeah. bad um for about a month. And then it got really awesome. And there have been many, many moments since we moved here where I'm just like Lord, thank you so much. That I mean, Christmas Eve, for instance, yeah. I was sitting Christmas Eve watching you and Louie at the front at the end of the service, and I just, i like, what is my life? Like, I can't believe this. And back up to several years ago, when we'd gotten together, and we, Jake and I were in town, and... um you obviously know all the background of how significant y'all's lives and passion have been in our story. I mean, oh my gosh. And Louie was helping me after dinner transfer back into my wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So Louie's like, seriously, like physically helping, like lift me up to put me back in the chair. And I kind of look up at him and I'm like, this is really weird. Like, Louie, I know you want on earth. And it was um, really cool. Yeah, we love you guys. And 
you know, we had we have a benefit in our life, and I will say it's a benefit of having a severely disabled father. That's right. Who um, had similar um, disabilities to yours. Yeah. Um, he had a brain virus called encephalitis, and this was Louis's dad, Louis. Right. His name yeah. was also Louis. And um, and we cared for him for seven years, and in that severely disabled body. And I think, you know, the, our heart for disabled people and for the way God is using their voice in that struggle and hardship mm. to be a beacon of light and hope for people is one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen. And you and Jay exemplify that in the most beautiful ways. Oh, well. And so there's just a resonance with us, with you, and an understanding, I think, and a compassion maybe it's for some of what you experience so day in and day out. And it's our, it's our joy to get to help you in any possible way to well, live your life to the full. It reads. It is clear y'all have had disability be a upfront part of your story because there's just a comfort level with me. And most people are a little scared, like, she going to break? Or, yeah. And y'all aren't scared, and I love that. Yeah. And you see the power of 2 Corinthians 12, 9, of the weakness, yes. his strength at work thing. That's and right. it's just, you get it yes. or something that it's— my my tremendous weakness, shortcoming, et cetera, and physical body shows Christ all the more. And I can boast in that. And it's cool. Talk about that for a second, because we were just laughing before the podcast started as you were talking about your voice. And your voice sounds pretty strong right now, but when you walked up, we're obviously having pollen season here. Spring has arrived in Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, everything is covered in yellow pollen, and it's an intense time to try to breathe all by yourself anyway. <laughs> no joke. But then you also have some struggles with your voice. You were saying last weekend, as you spoke, you lost your voice. You just You have a hard time using that part of your body. Right, which is so beautiful in a way because it's kind of what I do with my life That's these right. days. So yeah, I have a really difficult time because since the stroke, my right vocal cord is totally paralyzed. So I've only got half of my vocal cord working and then my soft palate doesn't work. And I've got this device that helps lift it for me mm -hmm. to articulate words. And then my face is paralyzed, so my voice sounds really muffled anyway when I talk. So all of that equals just something really interesting <laughs> to hear, like you're hearing right now. It's very different than pre-stroke voice. It sounds totally different. And yet, I just, I lose my voice a lot now, and I have so many issues when speaking, with spitting, and I can't feel my nostril on one side, so I'm always like... Ugh, snotting, sorry mm, to say that, no. and just kind of like a slobbery mess and in a wheelchair. And I mean, who wants to be seen on stage with a paralyzed face? Probably not the top of anybody's list. And all the issues equal just a beautiful package to share about the unconditional love of a Savior who's not concerned with all of this physicality. And yeah. I just think that 2 Corinthians, what is it, 2 Corinthians 4, that notion that um, we will not lose heart, that we're wasting away outwardly, but inwardly being renewed day after day for our light and momentary trials are achieving for us a glory that cannot be revealed. Therefore, I forget the ending, basically what is unseen is eternal. Yes, that's it. And 
how powerful that a very broken earth suit, a very broken down tent, even with a messed up, what raspy voice and uh, non-walking girl, just the whole scene is the medium is the message to me is it's most in him and not in the broken frame of my earth suit. Did you know, do you think you knew in life how strong you were on the inside before your body was broken on the outside? Well, complicated question because in my own strength, absolutely not. No. But I think brewing in me, marinating in my head and heart since I was a child, was almost a fascination with the hard stories, with mm-hmm. Corey Ten Boom and The Hiding Place. Mm-hmm. And Love like, that. I mean, Johnny Tada, yes. who's actually also in a wheelchair, mm-hmm. and Rosa Parks and yes. the Civil Rights Movement. And right. for some reason, like, strong women, many of whom were sold-out believers, was a huge part of my story. So I think that impacted my psyche. But also, I don't think it's ever the strength of Catherine Wolf. That is a joke. Left to my own, like, human spirit, please. That's ridiculous. But I am a willing vessel that gets to showcase God and showing up in my story and changing everything. And I can't help but respond. And like, I mean, I had the thought recently, you didn't really ask me this, but I want to tell you. Tell me. That, um, you know how everybody says they're living their best life. Like so-and-so's living their best life when they're doing this cool thing with rich, skinny people on some A yacht, of course. Right, a yacht, exactly. But I had the thought that I'm living my best life in my wheelchair in Atlanta, Georgia in April of 2019. And in the day and age where you get to live your truth, you know, I get to live my truth. My truth is I love my story. And I used to be embarrassed to say that. Like, it's so unrelatable because everybody hates some deal in their life. And I I hate plenty of things in my life. But way more, oh, hate's a strong word. But more than that, like, I love my story. And it's wrought with some really bad stuff. And I still love it. And that is like, Totally the Lord. Yeah, I, I have no a philosophy that that the longer that you hug something and hold on to it tightly, the, mm. the more it becomes yours. And mm. I have a saying, just hug it until you love it. And sometimes you have to choose to embrace something that would naturally be something that you would love. Oh, my goodness. But I... that the longer you hold it and the tighter you hug it, mm. the more it becomes yours. How do you—I feel like your life is developing like that. Isaiah 45.3. Yes. That he—how does it start? That he get—I will give you hidden treasure yeah. in the darkness, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am God, the God of Israel, the God who summons you my name. And what is so beautiful in that verse, almost makes me cry, is that when you have to go into really terrible seasons of darkness, which we all do, there's treasure there, special treasure, and— when you can be a person that clings on to it, and I know that's a hard process, but when you can, 
you cherish it yeah. and you move forward with it and you let the treasure inform the rest of your life yeah. because hello you've been through hell yes. might as well come out with like some significant treasure and be about like holding on to it but also sharing it your whole life yeah. you know and is some of that um developed in the accepting of where you are in the understanding or in the submitting because I feel like for my life, there's recognizing the hardship, but then there's a, a version of life where I actually submit to the hardship. I would imagine it's all, and probably all in seasons of time. It's not yeah. like you wake up the morning after tragedy of any kind, any sort of struggle and suffering, not just mine, any kind, not just yours, all different. Right. And say like, okay, great. Now I'm fine. Now I'll share all about it. Yeah, now back to normal life. It's like a crazy long process of acceptance and embracing a full submission. It's all the things. It's recognizing like, oh, I see God in this story. When the story felt like totally void of God. And I I really think it's saying like, and I like the story. And I'm supposed to not because everything in the world is telling me, get away from this. Be allergic to this. You can't thrive in this situation. But I'm screaming, yes, you can. Who said that? Someone lied to you. Like the world is telling you that, but don't don't believe that. (laughs) I watch you thrive every day. And it's one of the greatest treasures of my life is to, it doesn't just, it it reminds me that the things that are hard in my life, I can still thrive within them because I watch you take on this disability every day Mm. with the biggest heart of compassion, not for yourself. You're not self-focused, Catherine, and it's amazing because you have every reason to be. Well, that's what I think that is where in all of our stories, we have such a unique opportunity. Part of stewarding anything bad in life well, leveraging it well, is making it not about you anymore. I think it's It's, incredible. It's waking up to like, oh, this is a tiny part of a really big story that God's writing, and I get to be a part of that. And what happens is when you are focused on other people, suddenly you're okay. You know, they say the final stage of grief should really be amended. Rick Ward recently said that the final stage of, you know, his son committed suicide. such a hardship. And he said that the final stage of grief should actually be service. Mm. That when you can finally get your head around caring for other people, that that's actually the final stage of recovery, yeah. honestly. And I, I echo that time 10,000. I think for me, having spent six years now sharing my story a lot and we wrote a book and we you know really encourage people a lot yes. but what that has done is preached to my own heart yeah. is it has forced me to Here. name it too yeah. to like see yeah. God at work and by telling empathetic listeners 
neuroscience teaches us that your brain rewires, that in fact you transform your brain. It rewires literally by empathetic listeners hearing your story. So it's pretty crazy to think how much I've done that and it's probably working and doesn't mean it's perfect. I love, um, you know, just how giving our life away often gives back to ourselves Mm -hmm. more than what we think more than one that we could even imagine. Mm. And I think what you've done over the last years and your sharing of your story has given so much to all of us. Mm. I mean, reading Hope Heals for the first time was like a a train wrecking into my comfort in my life. Mm. It was the power of God breaking through my understanding of how life should be uh, packaged well to be good. Right, yeah. And all of us had not understood that the brokenness was just as good as the beauty. Amen. And it was, it was such a game changer in my life and has been for so, so many people. But I love that in the process of telling, like you just mentioned, God was actually restoring you. Oh, is He was that putting crazy? pieces of your life back together, and He was reweaving things back into your mind and spirit that He knew that you needed for the long haul of your life. Absolutely. And so how interesting that as you give yourself away, you're getting restored. I mean, is that not the gospel? Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, it's so I love beautiful. It. And I think what happens when we do go out and share and we know it's very broken and messed up, we're freeing other people to do the same. That's right. So we get this beautiful opportunity to kind of co-mingle in the messiness of all the stories, all the brokenness. And somehow we like feel less alone in our stuff and feel like, oh, I guess I can do my life, even though it's different than I thought it would be when I was a little girl. And there's just so much healing in that. Yeah, you're good. No, I think the church has gotten a bad rap over the years of being packaged, put together people who have all of their life polished up and who attend church for God to see how good they are. Yeah, seriously. And the reality that we live in is that we're broken, messed up people that we all have disabilities of some kind, that yours might be more visible than mine, but mine are certainly there. Oh, my gosh. And that we're struggling to overcome those disabilities in a way that we can actually live powerful, successful lives, right? right? I call them inner wheelchairs. Yes, we have them. We all have them. And yet I feel like the church is such a beautiful collection of those disabilities on a Sunday. And when I walk into this building which is just a building. The church is the people. So I just want to keep clarifying. Church is not this building. We love this building. We're thankful for this building. Mm -hmm. I give praise for it every time I walk in the doors because I've lived without a building as a church, and it's a difficult place to be. Many people are listening or doing that right now in high schools or wherever. It's impossible, but it's God makes a way. But we have a great building, but the church is the people who assemble in the building. Totally. And as we gather as disabled people, in the presence of an able God. Mm. There is nothing more powerful than saying, in the midst of my disabilities, I choose to worship. Right. In the midst of my hardship, I will lift my eyes oh, and yes. I will see the glory of the King. And I just think there's such powerful confession in that. And the church can be relabeled now. It doesn't have to be a collection of perfect people. It's very imperfect people, but they are collected around a beautiful, great God. I, oh my gosh, all the yeses that we are hard pressed. Yes. But none of us are crushed. 
And we got to rewrite that narrative. And the church can be at the helm of, you are not crushed. You are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned or whatever it is. Like, you're okay. And you can get out of bed and we can do this together. I love it. Catherine, you're a beautiful picture of that. Okay, now talk about being a mom of two boys. Because your boys are precious. I love them. Um, I'm watching them grow. I'm seeing their hearts and spirits develop into beautiful young men. And I know you invest a lot in that. I also know that your disability obviously affects their life. A big time. So James is 11, and he was born six months before the AVM ruptured. And then baby John, who's not a baby anymore. (laughs) But we still call him a baby. Yeah, he's like— He's our precious baby. So true. He'll be four in June. So he's like— three and three quarters. And, you know, it's complicated. I'd love to say, oh, they're doing so awesome. Like having a disabled mom is just incredible and so easy. And that's not true. However, the lessons I think that they are getting are just things I would so want to instill that I probably couldn't in some ways if I was able-bodied. Um, Both good and hard things. You know, baby John, not baby, little John (laughs) has just woken up to the fact that I'm disabled. He didn't realize it till now. And um, we were at the DMV the other day and he asked, Mommy, can you drive now when I got my Mm -hmm. Georgia ID card? And I had to, you know, explain, no, Mommy's probably not going to drive again. Mommy drove before you were born, but she can't now. And you could just see him be almost confused. And he asked me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, why is your face broken? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was so As only like, a child could say. Oh, totally. Yeah. And James' questions are more complicated, but along the same lines, like still a little confused by it all. Yeah. Like, you know, complicated questions of, so, Mommy, why do you think God— let you live, but then made the decision that you didn't need to be fully back to normal or something like that. Wow. And, yeah, I'm like, okay, let's think through processing all of that. And, you know, awesome on the one hand that he's thinking and John will probably think also really complicated when it's your mom. Yeah. Um but very beautiful, I think, that we have the summer camp for families with disabilities. Yes. And James and John attend the camp. And they are seeing in families dealing with disabilities just a different way of living yeah. than what they see in normal life. And that is so special to me. They get to engage people whose lives are wrecked by horrible tragedy, but who still have such joy. And, you know, what probably being in that context and engaging the disability community um, a lot these days has done for our kids is probably instill in them that a pain-free life is not the idol to be worshipped that the world says it is. Right. That 
that suffering and joy are commingled yes. and it's not one or the other and there is joy in hardship and just lessons that are so so beautiful that I feel like I I could not probably teach them with words yeah. but they're seeing it they're yeah. going oh wait so they're living with tremendous joy and hope of a savior who's in the middle of this total sadness I feel like they serve you so beautifully, too, um, yeah. watching James in particular. I know. Um, you know, he's made so much like Jay to start with, which is such a gift. And Jay is literally such a gift to your life. Oh we could talk gosh. about him for hours. I know. We should do a podcast about Jay Wolf. One day. <laughs> sure. One day. We I'll might actually invite him. We might not. But we might just talk for an hour about Jay Wolf and what I, a special person he is. A hundred percent. He is one of my favorites. But I, I think watching James— Take up that mantle of care over you. It's really and the cute. compassion that he sees toward you. And obviously you're his mother and he loves you and adores you for the reason of you just being his mom. But he also looks out for you in he some does. of the most beautiful ways. And I just think for a kid of his age to understand that that kind of compassion is necessary in life. Oh, you know, they compassion means with suffering, compassion. And when you're seeing life. Up close with suffering, there's just this difference in how you engage it. James is starting to help me walk. And like if I'm walking in the house, he, you know, he really helps me now. And mm -hmm. he couldn't do that when he was mm -hmm. little, but he really can now that he's older. And I often think, like, what is he thinking? Mm -hmm. You know, when he has to walk, like, twice as slow, and he's probably annoyed to have to, like, look out for mommy. But then I'm thinking, how incredible yes. is this? This is what life is supposed to be yes, about. It is. And I'm I'm grateful um, and can boast in my weakness because that is just a joy. And it's yeah. complicated, though. I'm not sugarcoating it. Um, you have some new curveballs in your life this year. Oh, yes. Your dad has just been diagnosed with multiple myeloma cancer. Yeah. He um, was diagnosed the month after you returned back to the South. Your Wait. parents live not far from here. Which is so crazy. We moved in August, and in September, dad got extremely rare and aggressive multiple myeloma, which your dad also I has. mean, of all the things that um, both of our dads could be suffering and struggling through right now um, for them to have the same disease and even for me to be a few years ahead of you in that process so that I could say to you, hey, here is some things you could expect. These are some of the challenges and hardships ahead it of you. It is unreal. Yeah. I, 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 again, God sees all things and he aligns them accordingly. And the way he put you in my life in the right time and then for this season where you literally are my neighbor— is the biggest gift, and Catherine. that we moved here a month before this went down. I, I know. mean, we, Dad was at Emory Hospital over Christmas, I know. and we're driving down the road to Emory. Yes. You know, we're not flying across the country over Christmas. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, truly a gift. And then being, yeah, just. A, it's so God. It's like undeniable. Well, I want to be thankful for that because I see, I can see, it's always easier to see in retrospect how God so has created timing and ways that He purposes our lives. But even in this moment, before we know the outcome of your dad's disease or mine, um, multiple myeloma is a fatal disease. It will take yeah. your life. There is yeah. no cure for it. Um, my dad, the most my dad has cried in the middle of the disease 
is when he talks about the fact that what he's enduring could actually help someone else not to have to be in the position that he's in. And mm. to think that there is a cure coming and that that scientists and doctors are working feverishly to try to figure it out is what makes him weep the most, Yeah, which is so powerful so that people like your dad don't have to be in this disease. Oh, but talk about just the effect of your dad's illness on your life today, and then talk a little bit about how we can pray specifically for him in this season. You're really sweet, Shelly. Um, I would say what has been so incredible for me to see in all of this with Dad has been that years of living, engaging really hard stories, really sad, broken, a lot of really just tragic medical stuff mm. has meant that I was not in shock by Dad getting cancer. That hasn't necessarily made it a lot easier but it's made it so I'm not like shell shocked. Like, how could this happen? Right. I'm like, this stuff happens. Right. People get bad diseases. It's messed up. I mean, and in a way that I didn't know before my stroke, like, it's very broken. Yeah. And health stuff is just really, really, I mean, as your dad did the stem cell transplant that my right. dad had in December. They take you to something called the basement mm. during it where you essentially don't want to live anymore. It's so mm. awful physically. Mm. Like, that might have made me so sad I couldn't function or something. But instead, I'm like, somehow God is at work. Yeah. And that isn't just a platitude for me. Like, I see God's hand. In my own story, yeah. so I can believe God in my dad's story, yeah. and I um I think there's a comfort level with all of the. I mean, I'm happy to jump in, get to the hospital, and you know dive in and have really powerful, candid conversations with my dad yeah. uh, that I've never had in my life. Yeah. <laughs> Brooks Arnold's a very like strong man and yeah. I'm asking the hard stuff and yeah. let's have this conversation in this one and he's so wonderful and available for that and you know the nearness of the hard makes it more pressing probably to have conversations like that and um I've seen in my own life God show up even when it wasn't um like we thought it was going to be right you know, everybody was saying the year after the stroke, two years after the stroke, like, oh, we've had dreams of you running on the beach. And, uh, and I'm not mocking that. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. that, I said that in a weird voice. I'm like Carrie Stanville. I mean, mm -hmm. people had powerful, like, yeah. me being restored moments. Yeah. And that's awesome. Perhaps those moments were heaven. Because, you know, year four, when I'm still waiting to get the full healing and start walking again and driving again and my hand to work again, there's perhaps an awareness of, oh, well, maybe that's not going to happen. Yeah. And um, I don't know, something about that realization makes me really live into that diagnosis differently, that I'm more okay with this mess or something. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, your first book was titled Hope Heals. Yeah, amen. So it's it's more of the hope that's inside of us that brings us to the conclusion of healing than it is about the actual process of being physically it healed. It is so wild. I care just about zero if I get an ounce more physical healing, like whatever, if I, if I get something great, but I'm not waiting around for that to yeah. enjoy life. My healing has come times 10,000 because my heart was broken yeah. after the stroke. I just thought like... God, where are you? What's happened? Like my my feelings were so hurt. Yeah. Um, and the healing has come in the recognition that this actually was God choosing me. That God wasn't saying, I I left the room and this terrible thing happened to you. It's like literally the opposite. It's like Catherine, your life is gonna be very unique. Yeah. And it's special. You're chosen for this. And you're not like relegated to life in a wheelchair. It is me elevating your life. The wheelchair is like a special place yeah. you sit a because platform. your life is elevated. Yes. And it's just an upside down kingdom reversal thing at work. And it's just really, um, yeah, very powerful. And so Hope Heals... Is book one that um, was the And story. you have a new one. Please tell us. Yes. Please. I yes. want to hear. So Hope Hills is a story of what happened yeah. and just kind of the stroke and the story. Our book two coming out next year, early next year, it's called Suffer Strong, um, How to Survive Anything by Redefining Everything. And it's it's really exciting because yes. it's the book about these last 10 years. Yeah. It's like the what now. So, it's really your life story. And, 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 and I mean, that post-stroke life story, but it is the most powerful part of your life. It is It is the life story. You're exactly yes. right. I've never gauged it that way, yes. but it is because yeah. it is. I watch you live it every day. The first book wasn't my life story. Yeah. The ultimate um, irony, because, of course, that is your story, right? Yeah. Well, well, no, no, it's not. Suffer strong is the story. That's a, that is your story, I agree. I, yes, Shelly, of course, you had the brilliant insight to think that. I've yes. never thought that, but you are so right. That The story is yes. how I redefined life yes. to live different. And to watch you do it every day, Catherine, is one of the greatest gifts. I oh. think, um, you know, you're a Grove girl, and I watch— oh. I watch you love and embrace what God is doing among women in our community. Oh, and it's God. so powerful. And the values that we hold so dearly, like being rooted into Scripture, into the Word, watching you in the last few minutes quote Scripture after Scripture that have been <laughs> life and breath to you, that are the foundation for your life. You're rooted. I watch you flourish. You might not be physically running down the beach, but you're— Life and spirit run so beautifully mm. every day. I Aww. watch you, you literally soar. And I know that that's the hope for our life is that we wouldn't just endure, that we wouldn't just wake up every day and make it through the day, but that we would actually flourish, right. that we would become alive in the circumstances that are our life. Right. And what is so important for all women at the Grove and everywhere to recognize is 
all of our stuff is different, but all of our stuff is the same because it's our response that matters. And more than that, I would argue, it's how we think about what's happening, our sufferings that are all unique, but how we replay that tape in our head of how it went down, who showed up for me or didn't show up. And I mean God by that. How God is in the story makes all the difference. So when we can get our heads around like, Okay, so, well, let me say this. For me, God spared my life, for sure. But the Scripture has continually sustained my life. Yes. And will keep doing that for as long as I live, no doubt. There's hard to articulate the power of seeing the Word of God in your own head because you know it so well. When I had the stroke and I couldn't read, couldn't speak yet, couldn't possibly like hold a Bible or something, I had verses in my head and in my heart. And I remember I was discipling a group of girls the year before my stroke, and I told them they were ever imprisoned in a foreign country. They needed to know the Word Mm. of God in case they didn't have access to a Bible. Mm. And I had no way of knowing that the prison would not be a foreign country. It would be down the road from where you live, Catherine, and it would be inside of your own body. And you would need to know that somehow all things are working together for him who, what is it, Romans 8, 28, that somehow all things are working together for those who love Love him. And that you're more than a conqueror through him who loved us. That what is Rome? I love, I love all the Romans 8, that then nothing can separate us from his love. That somehow the deep If our God love, is for us, who, who could can be, be against, against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us right. all, how could he not also graciously give us all things? Yeah. I mean, yes. what kind of comfort is that when you can't even read? You can't hardly hear. You can't do anything. But Scripture is literally preaching to your own heart. Yeah. Well, that is our hope. And I think about the freedom that's come to your life because of knowing that you have roots that go deep Mm. um, into the person of Jesus and into the power of his word, and that that expresses itself in your life in such free environments. Every lunch we go to, there's a conversation with the server. Every time you walk in front of a group of people who comment, we end up having a conversation with them <laughs> yeah, sorry. about your life. Everything you attend to speak at, obviously your your world collides into the lives of so many people all day, every day. Mm. And I love that you're not afraid then to take that as, you know, what you look at in me as being confined or imprisoned to this body is actually the freedom that's come to me in Christ. And you turn that freedom so powerfully into people's lives. And I love being a champion of it. I love standing beside you while it happens. And I pray that for 40 years to come, Catherine, I get to be in your life and that we get to experience this kind of freedom over people's lives. And thank you for the pleasure and for the enjoyment that comes to my life by watching God use your life. And every person that's listening needs to tap further into what you've written, what you and Jay have done, what you're doing with Hope Heals Camp, 
and with every other opportunity that you're creating because real life is flowing through those opportunities and that life is Jesus. And so thank you for sharing with us today with an open heart, with open hands, and with a full life. We love you. Love you, Shelly. You and Louie have... Should I talk now or yeah, are you done? Yeah, go for it. Okay. I um, can't fully put it into words because it's so deep. But y'all are just so, y'all are just such visionaries, I think, truly. Mm-hmm. Like, God has just allowed such vision to flow that you see past the surface things. That you're, I, I mean, it's so. it's so Christ-like that you are concerned with things that actually matter, and I I pray that that's um, a little bit my message. Yes, it is, and that it's having an impact. And I love that you think it is. Um, I I have to say before we close that inevitably at the Grove, I end up bringing a girl in a wheelchair from Shepherd Center. It's this just kind of so beautiful. It's kind of become my thing. I love it. It's so much, and I just love that um, y'all let me bring them back to you, meet them, hug their necks, and like, it's just so powerful for me to think like what that would have meant um, when I was feeling like there's there's no up even, I don't know how to cope, and instead, like, this is one of those life experiences, life highlight experiences, and I'm having it right now in the middle of this. Yeah, and we all are. I just, it's, so, it's overwhelming. So I love it. And I'm super Grove sold out. Like it's, <laughs> we it's, all are pretty into it. I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a hound. Yeah. It's kind of well, intense. We, it, we know it's a special thing and only God could have done it. And honestly, yeah. the fact that he invites us all to it is such a gift. And so... Thank you for being a part of it, and thank you for being a Grove Girl. I love it and love you. Love you. We're so grateful to Catherine and to Shelley for their candidness and honesty today. So much raw faith and so much hope for all of us. If you want to learn more about Catherine and Jay and their resources or their Hope Heals camp that Catherine mentioned today, visit hopeheals.com. And finally, if you're a lady in the Atlanta area or an out-of-towner wanting to make a road trip here for a Grove gathering, make sure you join us on May 6th at Passion City Church for our last Spring Grove and follow us on Instagram at PCC underscore the Grove for all the details. Thanks so much for listening today and we'll see you next time on the Grove Podcast.